This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Would y'all turn with me to uh, to Matthew 19 again this morning? Uh, that's what will be for the scripture reading. Uh, the text comes from uh, the the last verse in chapter 19 of Matthew, and then we'll read through uh, the 16th verse of chapter 20. So 19 verse 30 is is where we'll start in Matthew. Would you stand? Nineteen verse thirty. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. And so they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. And so when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when they came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give you give to this last man the same as to you. It is is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last for many are called but few chosen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come again this morning in the name of Jesus, Lord, uh, looking to you and asking that you grant uh, grace, Father, that we may hear and receive the truth of your word. Lord, may may we receive the the encouragement from it, uh, Father, that you would have us to get the instruction. Lord, make it effective in our hearts so that we're changed by it. Sanctify us, Father, by Your truth. Your Word is truth. Grant it, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Amen. 
Appreciate that, Zach. Um, good job. Good song. Good. Fanny Crosby wrote in the uh, song that we sang a few moments ago, Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed. <laughs> Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. Uh, you know, a lot of times when I, when I read and, and sing words like that, um, it's an opportunity to do some self-examination. And, and you have to ask, Lord, am I happy and blessed in my Savior? Or is it, is it my tendency to think that there is something else that I need? Now, certainly I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but is that the way that it plays out in my heart and in my actions at times? Or can I truly say, I in my Savior am happy and blessed? We're coming off a discussion here that Jesus had with a with a rich uh, young ruler, um, which led to a discussion with his disciples. But there, there the the rich young ruler was asking how to uh, gain eternal life. What what must I do uh, to gain eternal life? And, and uh, Jesus answered, and and yet uh, thinking that he had done what Jesus said was required, he, he still realized a need, a lack in his life. And we pointed out the fact that here he is face to face talking with the only one that can make him complete. I mean, what he lacked, what he needed is Jesus. And yet he was searching for something else and, and uh, looking for happiness, blessedness, satisfaction, however you want to word it. And the Scripture uses all those terms, along with some others, delight and so forth, looking for uh, such things in in other places, um, in his case, in his possessions, caused him to lose Christ. And watching all of this play out and then being astonished by the words of Jesus who said afterwards, it's harder for a uh, or it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Watching all of this, the, the disciples were astonished and asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus' response was, as we talked about last week, well, it's impossible with men, but with God all things are possible. And Peter said in verse 27 of chapter 19, See, we have left all and followed you, therefore what shall we have? And then Jesus answers that. Well, the, the, you're going to sit on thrones when, when uh, at the regeneration. You're going to sit on thrones. And, and everyone, not just, the, not just the disciples, but everyone in verse 29 who has left houses or, or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, for my sake, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Jesus goes from here into the parable that Zach 
just read. Uh, it's coming off of that discussion and with that in view. Gaining eternal life through the knowledge of Christ. Or to say it the way, the way that uh, Fanny Crosby said it, knowing blessedness, happiness, true happiness um, in the Lord and in Him alone. So Jesus says in 19 verse 30, Many who are first will be last, and the last first for, chapter 20 verse 1, the kingdom of heaven is like. Now what he does here is, is use once again a, a simile. That is, he, he takes something that, that the disciples know, something, some kind of natural situation that they, that they would be familiar with, and relates it to the kingdom of God in order to explain spiritual truth to them. And you know, I was I was looking last week, uh, uh, actually in, in preparation for last Sunday, kept looking at verse thirty. Many who are first will be last, and the last first, and and um, trying to figure out how uh, it it how precisely that applies to to the discussion that precedes it. And I think maybe there are a couple of ways you can you can do that. But I think really the explanation for it is found in chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. In fact, uh, if you look at verse 16, he says the same thing again, this time in reverse order. But the last will be first and the first last. So if you think of chapter 30 and verse 19, and verse... uh, Verse 30 in chapter 19 and verse 16 in chapter 20. If you think of those as kind of bookends, um, sandwiching this uh, this uh, simile that Jesus gives us in verses 1 through 15, I think it helps us understand it, and and then vice versa. The, the parable helps us understand what Jesus meant in verse 30, and then again in verse 16. Now, let's kind of go over that a little bit. He, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, a denarius, we've mentioned this before, but it was the equivalent of a day's pay, just a fair day's pay. And so he hires them at the beginning of the day and assures them that they will get, um, again, what is considered uh, an acceptable day's pay. But then verse 3 says he went out about the third hour. Now, now uh, the day would have begun at what we know is about 6 a.m. So the third hour would be about 9 a.m. So he goes back out roughly 9 a.m., saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. Now, notice back in verse 2, when he hires the first laborers, it clearly says in verse 2, that he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day. It was a mutual agreement. I've got a job for you to do. I'll pay you a denarius. And they, and they agree. That sounds fair. We'll do it. So, he goes back out around nine, hires more laborers. And then, verse 5, again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour. So, now you're talking noon. And then again at 3 p.m. And did likewise. And about the eleventh hour... 5 p.m. now, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? 
And they said to him, because no one has hired us, he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So in verse 2, with the first laborers, he makes an agreement for the denarius. Now, the, uh, the, the following uh, verses that describe his hiring the other laborers doesn't mention an agreement except that. He says, I will pay you whatever's right. He promises to be fair to them, to be just. Doesn't guarantee them a denarius, or at least we're not, we're not told that. He just says, I'll pay you whatever's right. So he does promise justice. We're going to do, do right by you. Whatever is right, you will receive. Now, verse 8, when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call their laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired, about the eleventh hour they received a denarius. Interesting, isn't it? A day's pay. <laughs> That'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? If you could show up uh, an hour before you quit work and, and uh, you know, if you get off at five, show up at four PM and work an hour and get a day's pay, that'd be pretty good. That's that's what happened here. He 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 called them first, uh, the steward did, and and gave them a denarius. Verse 9, and when those who were hired about, uh, about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, verse 10, they supposed that they would receive more. Now, again, remember, when you read that, remember verse 2. He had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day. But, here they come to receive their pay, and they suppose that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained. Literally, that's grumbled. Uh, the old King James uses the word murmured. <laughs> kind of uh, that or grumbling, either one, kind of paints a picture, doesn't it? And it's it's. Um, the, the verb tense here is, it suggests that they, they kept on grumbling. They were, they were upset. In spite of their agreement, verse 2, um, they're complaining, they're grumbling, they're murmuring. Why are they upset? Well, verse 12, the last, they, they grumbled saying, the last men have worked only one hour and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me? Now, he remembers the agreement. He's harking back to verse 2 here. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, and few are chosen. I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, verse 30 and also verse 16. I, I want to... Um, Apply this a couple of ways. First of all, let me just say this: I, I think in Jesus, uh, in, in His simile, he, He's 
he's saying that this vineyard, working in this vineyard, is uh, he's. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So, in other words, he's talking about. We we, we would say it this way. Um, you you could be describing uh, the Christian life here, or that is what we commonly call service to the Lord, serving the Lord. He's talking about living a godly life in this world, living for the Lord in this world. That's that's what. Uh, the, the likeness is with the, with the simile. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning. So the landowner is God, and uh, he hires these laborers to, to work in his vineyard. That is, um, people serve the Lord in this world. Now, I think one reason he's doing this is because of Peter's question, all right? Peter's question was in, uh, back in verse 27 of chapter 19, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Peter's saying, Lord, we've left all and come to work for you. We're following you. We're serving you. Now, what shall we have? What do we get? And Jesus does say, well, you're going to rule um, at the regeneration. You will, uh, you, will, you will sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. But then he goes on to say, everyone who gives up things for my name's sake, uh, those things will be multiplied to them and they will receive eternal life in the age to come. So I think he's got that, still got that discussion in view. But let me um, do this first. I'm going to give you the, what I think is his main point in a minute, but I also want to make a, a, a little personal um, application here for the, what we might say, just, just for the natural Realm, okay. I think Jesus is talking about salvation here, and a salvation issue. But I think there's principles here that we can apply in everyday living. So I'm going to uh, just give you a little illustration here, and this is, I mean, real, just something from my own experience. Um, when, uh, and I'm going to say it this way: this this will be kind of like point number one as far as. <laughs> As far as making a, a personal application in everyday living, mind your own business. That's, that's the first point, okay? Mind your own business. Here's the illustration. After I, when, when I was saved, I was, I was uh, working, if you could call it that. I mean, it's, it's hard to even call it that. But I was, I was, I was working uh, playing music. That's what I was doing for a living. And uh, that was, uh, in, in all honesty, I mean, you know, that was my first love uh, at the time. And so that's, it's kind of like the, the rich man um, being required here to give up his possessions. Uh, I, that was one thing the Lord was taking away from me. Not, not music in general, but the, but the particular kind that I was involved with. And I didn't fully understand that at the time. I knew that... I knew that things had to change, and that, that even was just God, because He said, well, how did you know that? I don't know how I knew that. I mean, it was just, I just knew. I knew that things were, were going to have to change. On, on the night, and most of you heard me kind of give my testimony before, but on the night that um, the Lord brought me to the point of surrender, um, my shoulder was broken in a, in a car wreck. And so, at, at this time, the group that I was with, we had a couple of months of, probably two or three months of uh, of uh, gigs, you know, we call them, um, booked in advance, right? And I'm thinking, well, I, I, I knew like almost immediately, automatically that I had to get out of this. 
But I'm thinking, you know, the rest of the group's depending on me to at least fulfill the commitments that we have. So I'll fulfill the commitments that we have, and then I'll drop it. Well, I broke my shoulder in a car accident. It's funny how God takes care of things, isn't it? I remember, and it was that was it was painful. But I went to the doctor, and, and uh, you know, just in talking, he's like, what do you do for a living in this and that? Because now I've got a broke shoulder. And I told him, well, I, you know, I'm a singer, I play bass. And he, he said, oh, well, you're not going to be holding that bass guitar for a while. And I said, well, you know, actually I have to. I mean, we've got, we've got fulfillments to, uh, things we have to fulfill. I'll sit on a stool if I have to, hold it in my lap. And he just kind of chuckled and said, you're not even going to be able to lift your arm up for a little while, you know, to, to do that. Uh, I mean, he was right. It was very painful. So, I mean, the Lord just kind of, in a, in a, <laughs> I kind of took care of that in more ways than one. It's a long story. But, but so I was just immediately taken out of there. But I still had this desire somewhat present to, to, to uh, be involved in, in this kind of music. And so I'm watching this show, which I used to do, uh, you know, uh, religiously, and that's probably uh, more literal than figurative, but used to, you know, watch these award shows. And at the time, there was a singer-songwriter. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's still active today as far as hits and things. I don't have a clue, but he, but he was then. There was a singer-songwriter named Paul Overstreet who uh, was a professing Christian, very vocal about it. And I watched this man when, when everybody else would kind of tip their hat to the Lord. You know, it was, especially in country music, it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty common, you know, to, to get up and say, I want to thank the Lord and, and uh, you know, and, and so forth. But he always seemed so sincere. And he would use the opportunity to just kind of get in a quick witness or, you know, something about God saving him. And so this particular time, I'm watching this show, it was right after I was saved, and he's winning uh, songs that he's written and the, and the people who sang them, like Randy, uh, Randy Travis and others, they're winning award after award after award. And then he wins songwriter award, so he has to go up there. And, uh, and boy, he takes the opportunity, you know, and just witnesses for Christ. And the other guy that was with him was talking about how he's going to party all night long. And Paul Overstreet's going, well, I don't know about that. But, you know, and he's, he's, he's just witnessing for Christ. And I remember thinking this. I thought, now, Lord, uh, and, and by the way, this guy was on a much, you know, higher level in that kind of music than I would have ever uh, uh, attained. But, but still, you know, he's, he was involved in the music scene, and that's where I was wanting to be involved. So I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, why is it that you would leave him there? And, and it seems, at least it seemed to me, he's able to be, he's in the midst of that, yet he's able to be an effective witness. He's not, he's not giving in to the, you know, all the worldliness of it, as far as I could tell. And this is one of the times, and like I say, I'm a brand new Christian. And this is one of the times that God spoke that um, it wasn't audible, but I'm telling you, it's one of those times where it was just, uh, I don't know if it could have been any stronger if it was audible. Maybe so, but, but it, it just almost seemed audible. With Scripture, and, you know, it wasn't like I was sitting there meditating on the Scripture or anything. But the Lord spoke and said, If I will that he tarries till I come, what is that to thee? Now, that's from John 21, where Peter is worried about how long John's going to live. 
<laughs> and Jesus basically tells him, mind your own business. If, I mean, the whole thing was based on a, a baseless rumor anyway, but Jesus didn't tell him, look, John's not going to live until I return. Jesus didn't give him an explanation. He just said, look, if, if I will that he tarries till I come, what is that to thee? What does that have to do with you? Well, this is how I often make personal application of this, of this uh, parable here. And I've, and I've had opportunity, uh, actually, to, to use it as a witnessing tool, you know, when, when people are, are grumbling. Uh, because it's, it's not unusual to be in a situation in the workplace um, to where somebody feels that they've been treated unfairly because somebody else either gets more than they have or gets the same thing that they have and they don't feel like they deserve it. My boss used to be uh, uh, famous for uh, his, uh, his deals. <laughs> I mean, he just cut deals with people. So, you know, instead of having things across the board and certain people would have certain days off and other people might not or they might have a different day off or something like that. And a lot of people, even, even some who were benefiting from that in some way sometimes, will still complain about the deal that somebody else had because it seemed to be better than theirs, right? Well, what does that matter to us? And I think that's at least one application of this parable here. Because what happens when, G, when, when, the, uh, when the landowner pays the ones who he hires at the end of the day the same amount that he pays those that he hired at the beginning of the day? They didn't take it so well, did they? In fact, as I mentioned earlier, if you look at verse 10 again, chapter 20, verse 10, they, they saw those who were hired at the 11th hour. They've worked one hour. Those, those guys work one hour, and they go up and they get paid, and he gives them a day's wage. And they saw that happening, so, they, so they're thinking to themselves, well, obviously we're going to get more. And when it doesn't happen, verse 11, they begin the grumbling. They're grumbling, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us. And by the way, that's, that's going to be key to the main point. But you've made them equal to us. And the landowner, Jesus, in, in, the, uh, in the character of the landowner here, gives a great response. Verse 13, I'm, I'm doing, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? That's been times over the years in working for my employer that I've had to stop and think about that. What did I agree on when I came to work here? Now, is he violating that? You know, he does something I don't like or whatever. Is, is, is he going against his agreement? Well, the answer is... I guess has always been no. At least in, in the case of one. I, there was another job I, I did wind up leaving because that very thing happened. What we agreed on, the employer didn't, didn't keep up his end of the deal. But oftentimes, all it is is we don't get as much as we think we ought to. Right? And so we have to stop and think, wait a minute. Is, are they really doing me wrong here? Or, or is, is this really, am I, am I really getting what I agreed on? And that's what he reminds them of. Did you not 
agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. See, there's, there's a false assumption here of injustice. And it's not because he violated the agreement. It's just because somebody else got something equal to what they got. And so all of a sudden, they assume, you know, without equal work. And so they, they assume, wait a minute, there's injustice here. We, we didn't do an equal amount of work, but we got an equal amount of pay. Well, that's, that's not the issue. The issue is, what did you deserve? What did you agree on in this case? And so that's why he can, he can say, uh, honestly, I am doing you no wrong. And in verse 14, I wish to give this last man the same as to you. Is, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? That's, that's another great principle to apply to uh, employee-employer relationship. Is it not lawful for him to do whatever he wants with his own things? And... Incidentally, you know, something could be said here uh, uh, as a side note about, about um, owning personal property. Uh, you know, it's a scriptural concept. Uh, a lot more could be said on that, but we're not going there today. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? That is, here you are, you're, you're envious and you're... Your your uh, your outlook is is evil. It's wrong. So so you have a wrong outlook, evil intentions. Just because I'm good, in other words, it's not because there's any injustice has really been committed against you. It's just because I want to do good to this man over here. And so they're offended by his his grace, really. So the last will be first and the first last. Now, I think what Jesus is saying in chapter 19, verse 30, but many who are first will be last and the last first. And then again, in chapter 20, verse 16, although uh, the, the order is reversed, he's lined it up with the parable because this is how it played out in the parable. So he says, so the last will be first and the first Last. Now, well, let me put it in the form of a question. If, if, you th- if you think about that for a moment, what is Jesus saying? If, if, if the last is first, and the first is last, where does that put them? I mean, if you think in terms of like a, a, a finish line. It, it describes equality. The last is first, and the first is last. Or the first is last, and the last is first. In other words, they come out equal. And that's exactly what they didn't like. As they complained in verse 12, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden in the heat of the day. So, He's basically saying that that's yes, that's true. I made them equal in, in when it came to wages, when it came to pay. Now, 
what I tried to do in everything I just said uh, about employer-employee relationship or employee-employee relationship, co-worker relationship, so forth. Um, and I'm just trying to draw some principles from this because to me it just fascinates me, um, <laughs> you know, the way all this plays out. In, in our society, we would be quick to do the same thing if we go along with the, with the popular thinking to cry unfair, unfair, unfair. I've been here longer and they're getting the same pay or whatever. Unfair. doesn't matter what we agreed on. This is unfair. And, and that's not the way Jesus views it. So all I've tried to do there is apply it to you know, an everyday situation. But I, I want to be clear here. What I think Jesus is talking about specifically is salvation. The kingdom of God, right? That's what he's saying in verse, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like... And then he tells the... Story. So what he's describing is how the kingdom of heaven works out and how the, quote, wages, if you will, um, and just using the analogy here, um, how the wages work between God and his laborers. And I think the main point is this. When it comes to salvation, eternal life, that there is equality. Now, that's an, that's an amazing thing, if you'll take time to think about it. In some ways, uh, we might be tempted, like the, uh, the early workers here, laborers, to cry unfair, uh, but hopefully, uh, hopefully we won't do that, um, especially when we compare ourselves to others. I mean, for example, I'm no Moses, and I'm never going to be. You or I, we're, we're not Moses, we're not Abraham, we're not David, we're not Elijah or Elisha. If, if we just had to, you know, compare their resume against mine, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I don't measure up, I fall way short. But here's the good news, brothers and sisters, I inherit the same salvation, the same eternal life, the same eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ that they do. And I'm certainly not in the category of those who have borne the heat of the day. I think about Christian history. And I think about martyrs like Polycarp, that you've heard me talk about. And others, you know, John Huss, for example. And we've talked some about him. He even showed, showed a film on him one time on our Friday night movie thing. Um... Nicholas uh, Ridley, uh, Thomas Cranmer. These men were martyred in, in England, burned at the stake. And there's a sense in which they, I mean, if you look at Christian history as a work day, they've borne the heat of the day. I mean, they were under the pressure. Martin Luther, John Calvin, you, you can go down the list. And they, many of them literally laid their lives down for Christ's sake, or they were at least under tremendous pressure. We were talking yesterday about John Bunyan. John Bunyan in the 17th century committed to prison for preaching the gospel because he was known as, uh, he was what was then known as, uh, as a dissenter. That is, he, he was not an ordained minister with the, with the established church, the Church of England. 
And for that, he was imprisoned because he was a Baptist preacher who was going house to house holding service. He was a dissenter, a Puritan preacher, preaching the gospel. And they told him, you can't do that. You're not duly appointed. He was a tinker by trade. Something we, we don't have today, but he fixed pots and pans. And, uh, and, they, and they told him, you stick to your vocation and forget about preaching. And he said, I, you know, I can't do that. I have to preach the gospel. And so they put him in jail. He Twelve years in prison. His wife was living in poverty. His wife and his children. One of his children was blind. And all that he had to do to get out of prison was agree to stop preaching the gospel. And as much as he loved his wife and his children and wanted to get back to providing for them, he could not agree to stop preaching the gospel. He bore the heat of the day, so to speak. And I don't know, you know, when you get into individual rewards, we are told, and I don't pretend to know the specifics of this, but we are told in the Scripture that we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and that we'll all be um, judged according to our works. And what we've done uh, uh, that is, that is uh, good, you know, and for Christ's sake, um, it'll, it'll be tried by fire. That which re- remains, you know, will, uh, uh, if it's not good, it'll be burned up. I, I don't know how all that plays out, and I don't know what kind of rewards await, uh, what kind of specific things await somebody like John Bunyan or Thomas Cranmer, or whoever, you name them. But I know this, even though I haven't been through what he went through, we look forward, I look forward to, he did look forward to, the same salvation. There's equality in that sense. Or you can apply it this way. I was I was saved at a relatively young age, although uh, I was 20... I was 22. Now, I know, especially from where I'm at now, that sounds young. At the time, though, I really uh, felt like I had wasted a lot of years um, and, uh, you know, was pretty convicted about that. And, and I still think about that sometimes. I think, you know, what if I had been, what if I had been uh, saved and committed to the Lord, you know, as a teenager and just on fire for Jesus? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that have been amazing? What if I had been concentrating on studying God's Word. And there are many people that have done that. But I was saved at a relatively young age. And so, so just at the age now uh, that I'm at, over 25 years walking with the Lord. And you know what? If you were saved today, and both of us die, we got the same reward. Eternity with Christ. A lot of people, uh, unlike myself, I just described, a lot of people have been serving Christ since their early years and were way ahead of me in that sense. And yet, they have the same salvation that I have. Or I can turn around. I have the same salvation they have. There is equality. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. Peter says, Lord, we, we gave up everything. We left everything to follow You. What do we have? Well, it's true. They have some special reward. They're going to sit on twelve thrones. 
judging the twelve tribes uh, at the at the uh, at the regeneration. But there's also a sense in which they get the same thing everybody else gets, or everybody else gets the same thing they get. That is to know Him and to enjoy His presence. That is Jesus for an eternity. In other words, the apostles weren't more saved than you and I are. And you and I aren't more saved than those who will come after us. There's equality in that sense. What we get, the answer to Peter's question is, what we get is Christ. We get to know Him. It's what Paul longed for, had a passion for, to know Him in the power of His resurrection. Count all things but loss, as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And Jesus is saying that's what everybody gets. Everybody who comes after Him gets that. Equal in terms of salvation. There's nothing that we have to earn. There's nothing that we have to attain to. If you walked with the Lord in His ministry from the beginning, like Peter and Andrew and James and John, or if you were the thief on the cross coming on board in the eleventh hour, it was still, today you'll be with me in paradise. There's equality in terms of salvation. There's no elite group. Let me point out one other thing here. And again, I think that's Jesus' main point. Last will be first, and the first last. That is, there is equality in terms of salvation. Everybody who's saved, whether they have been walking with the Lord 50 years or, or five minutes, when they're genuinely saved, they're genuinely saved, and that means eternal life in the presence of our Lord. One last thing here. In verse 16, Jesus says, So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now here again, you know, I looked, looked at this quite a bit, and, and uh, uh, just trying to understand how this fits in. Uh, with the conversation here, with the parable. And here's what I'm, I'm going to su- suggest to you. Um, because again, I think Jesus has, has all of this in view. Everything we, we just mentioned, all the way back to, uh, all the way back to chapter 19, where the discussion begins with the uh, rich young ruler. So the last will be first and the first last. Well, we just, we just talked about what that means, and hopefully uh, uh, there's some clarity on that. But what about this last sentence? For many are called, but few are chosen. Well, just real quick, I want you to notice something, because I think this is, this is an, another major point that Jesus is making here, and that is in regard to God's sovereignty. He's sovereign in selection, okay? He, in other words, what he describes here is a landowner choosing laborers. Not the other way around. Initially, 
uh, he's the one that 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 uh, initiates the conversation, that that tells them come 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 work for me. He's sovereign in timing, and that gets back to what we were just talking about a moment ago. That it, it doesn't matter whether you can say 50 years or five minutes. If you're genuinely saved, then then uh, you're saved. You, you have eternity with the Lord to look forward to. Um, but but doesn't it seem interesting? I mean, or don't you ever think, well, why didn't why didn't He save me when I was Five years old, or whatever. Why? Why didn't? Why? Why isn't that my testimony? Like it is so many others that they walked with the Lord all the way through their teen years and so forth. Well, I, I can only answer it this way: it's, it, it is due to God's sovereignty. And, and I want to point it out this way: in the uh, using the parable, he goes at the beginning of the day and he hires laborers, right? Well, he he comes back. Um, the third hour, he saw others standing idle. Then he comes back again in the, say, you also go into the vineyard, whatever is right, I will give you again. He went out about the sixth hour, that's verse five, sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? Now, wait a minute. Why have you been standing here idle all day? If they were there all day, why didn't he hire them the first hour or the third hour or the sixth hour or the ninth hour? Why did he wait to the eleventh hour to hire them? He's just he's just he's sovereign in his timing. He could have he could have hired them. When he hired the first laborers. I mean, what, what that suggests to me there in verse 6 is that they were there. They were standing there when he hired the other workers. They were standing there when he came back at 9 o'clock. They were standing there when he came back at 6 o'clock and at 3 o'clock. And I think about Peter and John in Acts 3 going into the gate beautiful. And there's the, the lame man who's been there all those years. And... He asked for alms, and Peter says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. And he heals the man. God heals the man using Peter and John. You know, rise up and walk. And he gets up and doesn't just walk, he leaps. But I've thought often, how many times, I wonder, how many times did Jesus walk by that man? How many times did Jesus go through that gate on His trips to Jerusalem and to the temple and walk past that man? Well, I can't answer that. Uh, I don't know how many, but but it seems to me that He did. And it just wasn't time yet. Now, that's not an excuse to stand idle and it's not an excuse to be lost. I mean, we can't blame God for our lostness. But at the same time, we need to recognize God's sovereignty and salvation. He's sovereign in selection and He's sovereign in the timing. Uh, I, I remember visiting a guy one long, long time ago, a church we were at. and uh, You could almost throw a rock and hit this guy's house. He was so close to the church building. He's an elderly man. Dan and Sheila remember the Barnes, Brother Barnes. And he was a, he was a preacher, in fact, but he was elderly and he wasn't in great health and he 
you know, they just stayed at home a lot. But I, I remember, and we probably had a lot of differences, or at least would now theologically. But besides all that, I remember talking to him. I, I actually I apologized to him. I said, you know, here you are. I mean, this close to the church, and we've never been over here and visited you. And I apologize. And he didn't blink an eye, and he said, wasn't time yet. <laughs> God is sovereign in His timing. And He's he's sovereign in the dispensing of His grace. Look, God is good. And we ought to rejoice in that. So, uh, and I I think we do. And we should if we don't. Maybe, I mean, if if God allows it, maybe I'll serve God 50 years, 60 years, or whatever. Whatever God allows. Even now, 20, 25 years. And And if I see somebody else get... Saved in the in the last hour, you know, a, a, maybe a deathbed salvation. I, I can either resent that and say, "Wow, you mean they're going to glory? They they didn't live ten minutes for Christ, and they're getting the same thing I'm getting." Or I can marvel at God's goodness and understand that, hey, I, I might serve Him. 350 years, I still don't deserve salvation. My, my serving Him is all of grace. God is good and He's sovereign in the, dispen- the dispensing of His grace. I am doing you no wrong, He says. If I wish to give this last man the same as to you, uh, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Is your eye evil? Because I am good. He saved all of us, whether whether we walk with Him a hundred years or five minutes. We're all saved just due to God's goodness. It's all all of grace. So, as Paul says in Timothy, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day. You say, boy, that's awesome. And Paul deserves that, doesn't he? Think about all he went through. That's not even the end of the sentence. Paul goes on to say, and not to me only. He'll give, it, he'll give me a crown of righteousness at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. He's describing something all Christians are going to get. A crown of righteousness. Now, I think that's the same thing Jesus is talking about in Matthew 20. And by the way, don't, don't think of a material you know, crown that's going to be placed on your head because of your righteousness. No, it's not a, a crown of, of gold. Paul doesn't say he's going to give you a crown of gold because you're righteous. No, it's a crown of righteousness. He's going to crown us with righteousness. You know why? Because we have none. (laughs) We have none of our own. And so He's going to give us His. And it's not going to matter if you were hired the first hour, the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, or the eleventh hour. That's what you have to look forward to. If you know Christ, 
there is laid up for you a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give you at that day. Would you stand, please? Peter said, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And you know what? There's, there's a real sense, and this is just an, another awesome thing about salvation. We, we do have all of that to look forward to when we leave this world and we enter forever into the joy and the presence of the Lord. But, and I've, I've tried to point this out as we've gone along, but it is also true that we receive it now to some extent. I mean, that, that's the kingdom of God. That's the Christian life. We live in the already and the not yet. So our salvation, when we talk about salvation, there is, there is a not yet that we look forward to, but there's also an already. And if you know Jesus Christ today, you're, you're gloriously saved. You know His presence now. You know fellowship with Him now. You know Him as Lord and Savior now. He is precious to you now. And I think all that can do in eternity is get better. <laughs> get better. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll dismiss you. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.